Hello, it is Friday, February 21st, a little feel-good Friday, about to propel you into the greatest weekend of your life. Let's get right to it. Today's show is brought to you by the greatest ticket-buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. If you're going to buy a ticket here, if you're going to buy a ticket there, it can be for comedy, it can be for music, it can be a sporting event, anything that has tickets and anything that is live SeatGeek has the greatest tickets available for you because they scan all the other ticket buying platforms make sure you're getting the best value for the ticket that you buy and you're not going to get catfished the ticket that you buy is the ticket that you're getting right now use promo code pat you get ten dollars off your first order promo code mcafee twenty dollars off your first order holy shit you're alive but are you living go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. they're the best company on planet earth man they're the nicest people They're good people. And whenever you buy tickets to something, you're not just buying a ticket. You're buying a story that you tell later. You're buying a story that you're going to tell at your bachelor, bachelorette party, wedding, whatever, a a, a future gathering. Remember that one time we want to insert name of something here? That's what SeatGeek does for you at the best price. Now let's get to it. Okay, so let's get into this. Adam Schefter tweeted last night a pretty alarming set of figures that kind of went over everybody's head whenever they're talking about revenue share, okay? So whenever Adam Schefter tweeted this last night, he said, more on a transformational CBA proposal now on the table per sources. This is what the owners who have been summoned to New York to vote on in the NFLPA has been summoned to wherever they're at to vote on. It's like the anchorman, they grab the conch shell and they go, The NFL owners have to vote on this, and the NFLPA is doing this. So the transformational CBA proposal that's now on the table for them. As part of the new deal, players will go from a 47% revenue share under the current deal to 48% revenue share at 16 games. And then it'll go to 48.5% revenue share if they go to 17 games. And then Schefter tweets this little number at the end that everybody, like everybody's talking about how the NFL players don't have 50%. Everybody's talking about how the NFL players have the lowest revenue share out of all the regular sports or all the major sports, which is all true. But this last sentence here from Schefter was the one that was just like, excuse me, especially as somebody that has been, you know, in the middle of these types of negotiations for like the last two weeks, literally. Okay, so he says that when they jump from a 47% share, which is what the NFL players have had for the last 10 years, to a 48% share for next season, and then a 48.5% share whenever they go to 17 games inevitably in two years, which is what's going to happen, whether the NFLPA likes it or not, they're voting on it, this is what's going to happen, just because it feels like that's the way the tide is turning. That is shifting, Schefter says, say that 10 times fast. Schefter says that it's shifting $5 billion of revenue to players uh, in that 1.5% slide, okay? So from 47% revenue share, which is what the players have had for the last 10 years, to 48.5%, which is what they'll have in two years, that is a $5 billion shift. 1.5% of the NFL's revenue for the next 10 years is $5 billion, Okay. <laughs> So if you do some math now and you divide it by 10 and you do that, each percentage yearly, 1% revenue that the NFL is making yearly, $320 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 1% of the revenue. They're making $32 
billion dollars in revenue yearly. Okay, so whenever you start thinking about that, and, and that math checks out, by the way, we we, are, oh, yeah. we did this four yeah, times yeah. on a dry erase board. <laughs> we carried the one. We did the whole thing because I, as soon as I saw that tweet last night, I had inhaled all the CBDPM that I could potentially inhale because I'm trying to get off this Hawaiian jet lag. I inhaled all the vitamins that I could possibly have. I was in an interesting state of mind. I look at that. I'm like, 1.5% of revenue for the NFL is five billion dollars 320 million dollars is one percent of the nfl's revenue yearly that is a stat that you need to think about whenever you hear the players go well we're not agreeing to this because we want more money because that's what's happening in the nfl what we just did right here is what's happening in the nfl pa meeting room they're like okay boys we can go from 47 percent to 48 percent we're already up a percent which by our math is 320 million dollars being right. added into the players which by the way there's like 1500 players or something that that has to get split up and there's only 32 owners so that's the whole thing then if we go up another half a percent obviously that's another 160 million if we want to add on there that but what that is actually saying is that 32 billion dollars of revenue is coming into the nfl yearly okay that's from their tv deals that's from the merch that's from whatever they're absolutely doing and the nflpa players are like well wait a minute they're with 32 billion we're only getting four percent we should get more than that and the thought that has to be happening though is anytime these types of things happen where you think maybe the grass is greener or we can get a little bit more and this can happen in a club with your friend this can happen in a business negotiation you never leave your for show money <laughs> looking for mo money or you end up with no, no money. money. So that's the conversations that's happening in the NFL and the NFLPA right now. And I think it's all coming together nicely here. The fact that they're already voting on things that have this importance before a lockout is even possible and a conversation is happening is good. But you got a lot of players that are very high up in the NFLPA that I think are seeing all these numbers and they're going, no, 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 no. We, we, we want more than that. Richard Sherman is somebody that's doing that, who is also a friend of the show, but a very important person in this conversation because he's an nflpa executive mm -hmm. member so whenever you start seeing these numbers add up and you don't see the players just immediately go oh whenever the fans see like oh there's five billion dollars shifted to the players it's like i agree that's a lot of money but that's only 1.5 percent of what 32 owners are making over that's only that's only 1.5 percent of their revenue for the next i mean it's just whenever you start thinking about it, it's like oh my god the amount of money that's being negotiated the fact that they can even think about coming to a deal is almost impressive to me and the nflpa is going to have to get to the point where they're like okay we had a little bit of a win here we had a little bit of a win here we got an extra 320 million a year at least that could go up to what 480 million a year if we mm -hmm. want to gather yes. it it's just whether or not we want to agree to that knowing that there's a lot more on the table that we could potentially get because the nfl is 32 billion well sorry 30 billionaires right yeah. mark davis is about to lose all his money to tom brady <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even pay uh khalil mack right. i mean <laughs> potentially right. connor right. and the packers don't have an owner but it's 30 billionaires that are splitting a company that's revenue, 1.5% of it for the next 10 years is $5 billion. I think the way you got to look at this is like, hey, hell of a business you guys are running over there. Hell of a racket you got going. And good for you getting to keep 51.5% of that revenue every single year. But the NFLPA too. I mean, it's a lot of money. I'm, I was grossly overpaid. 
I was grossly overpaid to do what I was doing. Now, granted, there's a lot of money that goes into it, and a lot of players are going to get grossly overpaid in the eyes of a lot of people. You can't compare being a quarterback in the NFL to the heroes of our world, right? You can't compare them to military members. You can't compare them to cops. You can't compare it to teachers. You can't be like, well, you're just playing a kid's game. Again. I agree completely. And if you were to look at that for everything, you're going to be very upset and alarmed about how much money Kenny Chesney makes just to sing a song <laughs> with some auto tune. Like, it's very hard to compare that which is what ends up happening in these negotiations and it's hard not to do but man there is a lot of money out there this football league is making and i bet you vince mcmahon the xfl is looking at it like hey we'll, we'll, we'll take 1.5 <laughs> we'll take 1.5 percent of whatever the nfl is doing that'd be good and things are oh and that was funny because jamal adams who is a younger player tweets out more regular season games and more playoff games with more money for the league and players everyone wins and all the older players are like whoa man whoa, 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 whoa. relax whoa, too hey. i think he deleted that tweet by the way jamal adams did? i believe he i did. could find it this morning richard sherman was like hey listen we do not need your ass right now acting as if <laughs> we have agreed to this deal and i asked richard sherman to come on the show I'm like listen richard sherman and i feel like have an actual respect for each other i have a lot of respect for richard sherman by the way i might not agree with every single thing that he says or does but i have a lot of respect for a kid from compton that went to stanford that has made himself that has bet on himself the whole thing and the fact that he is pretty high up in these negotiations is is by the way very impressive for a, a corner in the NFL to be a part of this and have this much leverage. But you got a lot of OGs in the NFL that are look, talking to the young guys like, hey, you don't even understand the business of this league yet. You, I don't know if Jamal Adams has gone through a negotiation. Has he? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. He's on his rookie young. deal. So I've always said this. Like, the he's going to get paid. Though. The young player, yeah, he's going to get paid. But he's also going to have to listen to negotiations about him mm -hmm. being used goods. Like That's a conversation whenever you learn that, oh, this is not just a game. This is not just uh, this is not just fun in the backyard with our friends. Like this is Pawn Stars. This is Shark Tank, and I am the item that they are talking about that could potentially be sitting on the shelf with nobody wanting it for the next year and a half. That's when you learn it's a business when you have to negotiate. Let alone if you're an OG that's been through like three, four negotiations, and you had heard everything, and you know what's happening inside there. Allen Robinson, the second from the Chicago Bears, says, "Young players, educate yourself on what's going on in the business of your sport. You don't just play ball." You're in a buoysness. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't you agree know, with something more. All, he, went, Easy. he made a mistake of all cap locks or all, all capitals so you don't get the, the uh, autocorrect. Yeah, it's tough. And things are only going to get better for the NFL because a lot of people are saying they they want this 17-game deal so they go back to their TV partners and ask for more their money. They make – By the way, it's two more weeks of the regular season. And two more games on Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, they wanted to add, well. They wanted to add right. So yeah, then they yeah. also want to add seven. They want to add a, a team on each side of uh, the conferences Correct. for the playoffs. Right, playoff money for the NFL is just house money because they don't have to pay the players as much. Now, granted, some players will get an upgrade, but a lot of the big-time players that you're spending a lot of money in, they're making the same amount of money as the special teamers that are making each and every single week. And you're getting higher ratings. You're getting a bigger TV deal. You're getting all this stuff. So it's like there's so much money being negotiated and all this stuff and so much money happening. By the way, Roger Goodell, who a lot of people hate, uh, because he's had to make decisions probably against your team or something yeah. like that. He's he's in a position where he gets paid mightily, but he has to make a lot of difficult decisions. And I think if we put him next to Rob Manford, I think we all need to respect Roger Goodell a little bit more yeah. uh, just because we it could be Rob Manford. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But I think Goodell 
One of his first things he said to the NFL is he wanted to make $32 billion a year for the NFL. Like, I think that was one of his main goals. That's why they started going to Europe. Mm-hmm. That's why these things started to grow. They're like, we want to grow the game. We want to do this. We want to do this. The bottom line is all that they really care about. And he came in and said, I think we can do this. Now, they're negotiating on the premise that that is what they're making. Yes. I mean, this is... For the NFL, you got to be like, congrats. But to the players, them trying to inch out every single half a percent, because every half a percent is, what, $160 million a year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is something that they're just trying to inch out. This is going to be this is going to come down to the 11th hour. This is going to come down to a negotiation about the nitty-gritty, and that nitty-gritty just happens to be <laughs> hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you know how much the networks pay a year? One per per year for to for NFL rights to what didn't Amazon pay something like ninety million or something for like Thursday night football? And uh, it was it was just a second stream. Like yeah. it wasn't even like the real stream. The NFL gets one billion a year from CBS, one point one from Fox, and one billion from NBC. And for, what's what's ESPN play? For one year. I uh, it's not here. For Monday night, it's probably a billion. It was, I think it was around a billion for Monday Cause night. Because NBC's paying for Sunday night football for nine hundred fifty million. <laughs> <laughs> They're making four billion a year just from TV partners. Is that just regular season, or does that include playoffs? I don't as well? know. No, oh, yeah, playoffs are probably on top. Because that. that's what I was thinking. That's where players are actually going to end up kind of getting screwed over in this, right? Because yes. the new the the playoff adding another playoff game, like they're going to renegotiate, and that's going to be a massive deal. Oh, oh sorry, ESPN is paying one point one billion for Monday Night Football. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I, I respect it's 60, a kid's game. 60, <laughs> it's a kid's 65 game. Sixty-five million a game, twenty million per hour. Hey, you should just be happy you get to play what we love playing in high school for a living. You should be happy you get that opportunity. I agree. I absolutely agree. But then that means the people that are running this team should be acting as if they're high school coaches. Then, if that's the case, if we're gonna if we're gonna go on the premise that the players should act like this is a kids' game, well, then let's go on the premise that the owners should act like it's a kids' game. That's why I hate when everybody starts attacking the players during this. The last CBA, I mean, I, let's be honest. When the lockout happened, okay, I was in the middle of the substance of abuse program. I couldn't drink for like twelve months going into the lockout. Then when the lockout happened, I had no test, so I was on like a hundred forty day binge. I had no clue what was going. <laughs> On negotiations i was too young to think anything but now that i'm really like digesting it all you gotta remember in the players locker rooms like the year or two after the cba whenever you know on those trips home like four hour flight homes or flights home and there's no other really conversation that could happen and maybe there's been some wine drank or some beer drank and somebody who's in the nflpa or wants to be in the nflpa pops off about how we got screwed in the last cba and then that leads into a conversation it goes into all of those things like the nflpa knows that after this last cba there was a lot of disgruntled players about things that were happening because a deal they thought got rushed to finish line i don't think that's going to happen this time i think it's very interesting they're trying to get it done early but boy this is so much money so so much money two questions yeah buddy so when you were doing the lockout they stopped testing you oh yeah did your time like you had to be in there for what two years or whatever 27 months yeah. 27 months did the time clock stop yeah, when yeah. the lock yeah, oh yeah, so yeah. you had to continue oh, after that's suspended sucks. sentence yeah but after <laughs> second question do you like the idea of seven teams from each conference making the playoffs yeah i don't mind it yeah i love I, it i don't mind it at all for, strictly as a fan i don't mind steelers it. Would right. have, steelers would have 
benefited greatly. Yeah, I know that's. I got the text from you (laughs) this morning from Warren Sharp, uh, Sharp Football. By the way, I have no idea who that guy's been on the show. Yeah, he has good stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, If newly proposed playoff system were in place for the last ten years, we would have added five ten win teams, nine nine win teams, six eight win teams. And I think the issue that everybody has with expanding the playoffs is like, well, if they don't deserve it, they shouldn't get in. Especially because this year with the NFC East, right, there was a chance that a team with a losing record was going to get in the playoffs. So with that fresh on people's minds, the thought of adding another team, everybody's like, well, if a division stinks or something like that, we don't need to add more terrible teams. Warren Sharp came out and was like, no, no, I mean, there's a lot of good teams that don't make the playoffs these days. Ten-win teams not getting in, like, and them being able to get in now is, is a huge plus. Yeah, like, if you win ten games, you should be in the playoffs. Any football fan is going to say this is a huge plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three games on Saturday, it, yeah. three games on Sunday, wildcard weekend. It's like the whenever they play in London, you wake up, there's a game at oh, ten. Yep. A, like, it's the best day ever. And but that wildcard weekend... This past year, I fully enjoyed it. It's the best. But as a former player and as a person (laughs) that was in that locker room, I have to remember that there is a lot of guys who are just trying to make as much money in as short period of time as possible. And their bodies are taking damage, which, by the way, they know going into football is going to happen. They understand that there's an inherent risk whenever you play football. But right now, every single percent, every single half a percent that these players are trying to negotiate for is potentially changing a life for a long time. And I think that's why negotiations can get a little bit uglier once in a while. I, I respect and am disgusted by the owners at the same time for not going for the 50-50 split. Because, like you said, that's just another thing thing they can grab in negotiations with offering up another half percent if they wanted to but no way if they give 50 50 then they're alluding to the fact that the players are worth 50 percent of the nfl success the owners don't think that right right that's why whenever they had the lockout or they had anything like that like the thought the owners have is uh we can plug and place anybody into these systems and we'll be able and i think even after seeing the xfl success they're like look now Granted, I don't know if the XFL success is going to sustain or whatever, but they had like four million people watching a game the first week, three and a half or something like that, two and a half. The NFL sees that, the owners see that, and they're like, listen, this is a plug-and-place operation. And I think they kind of lightened up on that thought because you, whenever they went after the uniform rules and the no-dancing rules and the people are getting fined if their socks run all the way up, they wanted everybody to look and act the exact same way so they can plug-and-place players, right? That's what they wanted to take personalities out of the game. They wanted to take out the uh, individuality out of the game. They wanted it to be a completely team sport. So whenever this guy's out, we put a new guy in that's dressed the exact same, doesn't dance, doesn't do anything. It doesn't matter. Now, they've lightened up on that because of how bad they looked. But if you were to give a 50-50 split with the players as the owners, in their eyes, they're like, well, we don't think the players deserve an exact 50%. That 1.5% on top of them is just 100% like a power trip type. Oh, yeah. And that's the way it goes. And that's, I mean, well, and that's been like kind of ingrained into the players too, because they all, it's all like, you know, the NFL doesn't need you. It's like what, like a lot of those guys say, it's like, hey, guess what? The game is going to go on without you, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're just a piece of gum, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, whenever the flavor runs out on uh-huh. your particular piece of gum, we'll just go and pick another one out, and <laughs> that thing will taste probably better than you yeah. do. That's exactly their thought. That's their mindset. And that's why 51.5% is a very, very good deal compared to the 47 or 48 and a half percent is a very good deal compared to the 47 percent but boy the money is alarming so sorry to interrupt we all have an idea of what our dream job looks like but someone isn't just going to hand it to you okay that's not the way the world works 
odds are you'll need at least a bachelor's degree to make that dream a reality. And I know it's hard to go back to school while you're working. That's why you'll absolutely love Ashford University. It's Convenient and flexible. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn at your own pace. You can study whatever you're the most comfortable learning. One course at a time at Ashford University. Six-week-long courses allow you to take one course at a time. Being enrolled in one class at Ashford means you're a full-time student. There's no standardized test required. The SAT, the GRE, the GMAT, and other standardized test scores are not required for enrolling at Ashford University. Ashford University is a fully accredited university by WASC Senior College and University Commission. Hello, real college at your own pace for a real degree, all online. Get on the road to learning your or get on the road to earning your degree and making your dream job a reality. Enroll now by going to ashford.edu slash pat. That's A-S-H-F-O-R-D dot E-D-U slash P-A-T to start your degree today. Ashford.edu slash pat. Six-week-long courses, one at a time. Do it at your own pace. Be a full-time student. Work towards your master's. Work towards anything. Your bachelor's. Let's go with Ashford University. Ashford.edu slash pat. Back to it. Joining us now is an insider, a man that showcased the Mike McCarthy project, which probably got him the job with the Dallas Cowboys, by the way, Mm -hmm. went inside McCarthy's house to showcase how Mike McCarthy basically flipped his massive home in Green Bay into a football facility with a bunch of guys breaking down film and things like that. An insider in the NFL world, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Pelissaro. Hey, good, Thanks for having me, Pat. What's up, buddy? Hey, Tom, that Mike McCarthy piece was awesome. Thank you. Do Appreciate you, it. That do was, you... Uh, it was very cool to uh, you know have that level of access and get to see what he was doing during his uh, year away. I think we showed a little different side of Mike McCarthy than uh, people who were accustomed to seeing. Do you think you got him the job for the Cowboys, that piece? <laughs> I, I think Mike didn't necessarily need my help. I would just say I did hear from numerous other NFL coaches and executives saying, can we do the same thing for me next year? <laughs> I completely forgot about Mike McCarthy, to be honest. Until I watched that, I'm like, yo, Yinzer is ready to get back in the game. Then he goes down to Dallas. He lies right to Jerry and Stephen Jones, <laughs> talking about how he saw the plays, has the job. I think they're in a good spot. Excited to see what they do with Dak. Before we get to any player information, let's talk about the NFL and the CBA that's coming to fruition here. They said one and a half per- – Adam Schefter tweeted last night that a one and a half percent upgrade in the revenue share over the next 10 years is a five billion dollar shift 1.5 percent of the nfl's revenue share for the next 10 years is going to be five billion dollars you do the math one percent then each year is 320 million they're saying they're making 32 billion in revenue a year how is that possible and what are other conversation pieces that are going to have to happen for this nfl cba uh nfl pa nfl cba to come to fruition Well, the math is a little bit more complicated. So under the current collective bargaining agreement, without putting everybody to sleep here, players are guaranteed 47% over the life of a 10-year deal, which means in any given year, they might only get 46% or 45% of revenue. It just has to come out to 47%. So under the proposed Mm. deal, now it would be 48% minimum per year, which is a significant difference. That's under a 16-game schedule. So even if they never were to go hold that lever, and go to 17 games, that's about a 2.5 to $3 billion shift. Then if they go to 17 games, the estimates that they've put together say that 17th game is worth another 2 to $3 billion. That's how you get 48.5 would be the minimum if they went to 17. It actually could be higher than that. Uh, it's a pretty substantial shift. 
On top of that, you've got increases in benefits. You've got increases in terms of the player performance pool, uh, a variety of other things, changes to training camp that's still under discussion, but some of the ideas include uh, having less hitting early in camp, more days off early in camp, less time in the facility, a cap of how many hours you have to be in the facility uh, during training camp. Those are all positive things. The question is, though, now for the 32 player reps who are going to discuss this tomorrow in a conference call, is it enough? That 17th game is a pretty big change in working conditions. Did they get enough to be able to vote yes on this? I can tell you it's not unanimous right now. There are some player reps who would vote no. They need 11 out of the 32 to vote no or to say they'll vote no in order to block it. Uh, and they, you know, we'll see exactly how that all sorts itself out tomorrow. A lot of the NFLPA reps are, all the NFLPA reps are OGs, right, in the league. So this less time in the facility and less practice time, that doesn't affect the OGs. Who it affects is the rookies a lot, right? Because the rookies don't get a chance to get in there as much. Then they make little rules where there's like a rookie camp and rookie this and rookie that. So all those conversations, I feel like, you know, they figure themselves out with the timing and all that stuff. The money is where everything's going to fall into place. And right. if you look at Richard Sherman's tweets, and I assume he's a pretty large part in a large voice in the NFLPA's discussion. He is very anti the move to make that a was that a was that a for the brand mug right there? <laughs> no, it was, it was an NFL, NFL mug. Oh yeah, the NFL. come on, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get I gotta get no, one here, please. No, anybody? Tom, Tom you're Jeez. working for the other team right now. The, um, <laughs> uh, who who are the main people on the NFL side that's negotiating? So in my eyes, from what I heard, Jeff Saturday stepped in in the last CBA. Which, by the way, beautiful blue eyes. Great teammate. He looks good with the gray beard he has now. He's a high school coach. From what I was told last CBAs, he came in. He had talked like Kraft and Jerry Jones, basically, and they settled the CBA deal after the lockout was a long time. Are those the two main names from the NFL side that are like, yo, we're going to give you 48.5%. We want two extra weeks in this. Who is the main voice on the NFL side in this entire negotiation thing? Well, one of the interesting things here is the negotiations, which go back almost a year. I mean, this all started last spring. There have been countless bargaining sessions and staff meetings. They've been far less acrimonious from what they were back in 2011. Like, the sides, they've had a constant discussion. They've been able to make progress. They haven't. I Don't make that face. Acrimonious. Google it. We're good. Uh, <laughs> it, it has not been as negative of an environment as they have not needed uh, people to necessarily step in. Uh, there's not been that central guy from all the people that I've spoken to. There's not had to be, you know, one person stepping forward or anybody. There's always back channel discussions. I mean, that happens in any of these negotiations. But, you know, certainly Eric Winston's a big voice on the player side, along with Demora Smith. You've got guys like Russell Okung. And you mentioned Richard Sherman. He's in an interesting position because he's part of the executive committee, the 10 guys plus Eric Winston that are negotiating the deal. He also is a voting rep. So he's one of the guys who can vote up or down on the deal that the executive committee ultimately is going to uh, recommend here. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting discussion. I mean, this is not, you know, door open and shut on this thing. This is a product of a lot of different discussions, and there's still no telling how it's going to go tomorrow. So the owners are meeting today in New York. They're going to be updated on the state of negotiations, what is currently on the table. Expectation there is, even if you don't have a vote today, they at least would be in position. They are thoroughly educated on what the current offer is. They could vote once the players do. Then tomorrow, that's where you have the 32 player reps who, presumably, if they think they've got the votes to pass it, will take a vote. And that's ball game. Yes, it has to go to the entire membership. But if two thirds of the player reps vote to approve, you're not going to get over 50% of the entire, you know, 1,700 guys to vote no. This is so interesting because just a few weeks ago, Demory Smith, I assume, in a position of leverage. Demory Smith, the NFLPA president, has been for like the last 10 years. I actually heard his first speech at my rookie symposium. And, uh, you know, 
interesting guy. <laughs> the uh, but he's done well. I mean, obviously, jumping from forty seven percent to forty eight and a half percent potentially is a massive increase in pay salary. This playoff thing sounds like both sides are all in on more games in the playoffs. It sounds like the NFLPA, the NFL are both very excited about other another team being added to each side. Am I right with that? That was one of the first things that the sides were in agreement on. You can go back and read the story that Ian Rappaport and I wrote in mid-August. They'd had like five bargaining sessions, and one of the things that was very clear was both sides were open to expanding the playoff field, going to 14 teams, in part because then that would make up the lost revenue for cutting the preseason to three games. I had a talk with Mark Murphy about that at the November meetings, and he said, it's just not a good product. Why why would we want to have a bad product out there uh, like the preseason is now? So you shrink that down, you make up the revenue, in terms of those extra couple of playoff games. And then that in turn means by going to the 17th game, the way that everybody involved looks at it is that becomes pure profit. Tom, I'm going to show you something that I said in June of last year. Okay. I just want June, I believe, 6th, 2019. This is what I said, probably after reading an article from you and Mr. Rappaport. I've always said this when it comes to the number of games thing for the NFL, which is always going to be a topic of discussion because there's so much money on the line, both TV-wise, stadium revenue. You're talking about everything. There is so much money on the line for adding games because you're adding a concert. You're adding a, a whole other concert for the band to perform at. And it's not just a concert that's that's live in person in front of 70,000 people sold out, guaranteed for sure. It's also being streamed to millions of people paying millions of dollars for this whole thing. I mean, it is a massive financial decision to add a game or lose a game. I've always said this. Make it. Let's meet in the middle. Let's make it 17 games. Let's add a bye week. So it is officially 19 weeks. So it's two bye weeks, 17 games. Get rid of a preseason game or two so that you have like two real preseason games. That third preseason game, treat it like it's the AAFL. Treat it like it's the XFL. It's just tryout guys, bubble guys anyways. Give them that game, but make sure fans know that this is going to be basically scrimmage between players that aren't going to make this team or special teamers add a bye week have 17 games and let's just keep it moving going forward let's add a let's in proportion add to the salary of everybody so you literally take no money out of anybody's pocket for another performance pay them for the bye week as well and just keep it moving then we add an extra game it's not 18 which is what the nfl wants it doesn't stay at 16 which is what the players want but it's a nice win-win for everybody tom did the NFL and the NFLPA play that clip, you think, during their conversations? It's pretty smart. I got to say, there's a lot of logic that went into that uh, that conversation. That all has been discussed, too. Adding the second buy has definitely been discussed. The thing is that the 17 games is not going to happen immediately. That's going to be a lever that the owners can pull. They haven't negotiated the new TV deals yet. So in those TV deal conversations, that's where they're going to figure out, okay, when do we want this? When's the most logical time? Is it going to be, as my colleague Mike Silver reported, maybe 2022? That gives you two years to figure out the logistics of this. If you went to the second buy, you can potentially have the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend, eat up another chunk of the calendar before everybody gets excited about the combine. That guy's the worst. Digs his question. Tom, speaking of the combine, is next week like your Super Bowl? How much news is going to break next <laughs> week at the Super Bowl? Like, Are we going to find out about Tom and Phil and where everyone's going next week? This is where the hype machine definitely picks up substantially because you have all the agents, all the teams in one place. The one thing to understand, this has happened before. It happened like five years ago. There's a really long break between the combine and free agency this year. Free agency doesn't start till March 18th. That's the latest I can ever remember. So you've got like two and a half weeks or so 
before free agency after the combine. So what happened last time was teams were really reluctant to show their hands to agents. Why? Uh. Because if you tell an agent what you're going to do, you now he's got two and a half weeks to shop that around to other teams and say, hey, can you beat it? Oh, yeah. So this could be a little bit slower of a process oh. in terms of what actually comes out in Indianapolis. But this is also unique in that this quarterback market has more guys. I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest players who have ever played the game, plus some young guys coming off their rookie contracts. Plus, you got a really good draft class. This is going to be the hardest it's ever been to peg what happens at the quarterback position. The answers are going to – it's going to be a slow trickle here over the next several weeks. I would not expect to leave Indianapolis knowing where uh, all the bodies are going to be buried. Marquee names right now moving. I mean, marquee uh, – Tom Brady – anytime Tom Brady's doing anything, it is noteworthy. If he's selling that terrible chocolate on Facebook, it's noteworthy. <laughs> if he's building another TB12 therapy treatment uh, center, it's noteworthy. Now the fact that he's playing the game how he's playing it, I absolutely love personally because if the greatest of all time can do it, he should do it. And I like that he's in social media, he's engaging, he's kind of trolling people. There's no chance – that he does all this and then leaves. Is there? There's no chance that he, you know, the whole the the social media, the Instagramming, the Twittering, the going to a fight by yourself basically to go talk to Mark Davis. All of these things. There's no way he leaves. He's just doing this strictly for leverage against the New England Patriots. Am I accurate in saying that, or is there a chance he actually leaves? You think? I never say never on anything in the NFL, Pat. And what I would True. say is Tom Brady. This is the first time in his 20-year career that he's been a free agent. So what's been communicated to me for you know the past month and change here has been that he really wants to, I know he said it publicly to Jim Gray, like he wants to go in with an open mind. That, that's really it. He wants to explore. He wants to know what are my options. Those start to crystallize now as we get through the combine, as more teams through one way or another uh, make their intentions known. He just wants to know exactly what's out there. Having said that, you have to look at it from Tom Brady's perspective. He doesn't need money at this point. I mean, we all would love more money, but money's not like the driving force for Tom Brady. It's he wants to try to win more championships. He wants to keep proving people wrong. He's 42 years old, going to be 43, wants to show that he can still play at a high level. Where is he going to have a better chance to win a Super Bowl than New England? Yes, they have personnel challenges. They certainly have challenges in terms of the skill positions. But you look at Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest defensive mind of all time, a really good offensive mind in Josh McDaniels, a system that Brady has played in for 20 years that you would then have to try to install. And, you know, yes, I mean, Peyton Manning went to Denver. He was able to install his system. You know, you can figure these things out. But at this stage, you don't want a transition year. How quickly can you ramp up? How quickly can you have uh, that level of success if you go someplace else? Those are all the things that he has to weigh. If he gets offered an extra $1 million by the Chargers than what the Patriots are offering – I don't think that's the type of thing that's going to sway Tom Brady. Isn't it so interesting to think, though, that everybody who was going ring chasing, Super Bowl ring chasing at the end of their career, will go to New England, right? They're like, all right, going to New England to play with Tom. Now Tom is ring chasing himself, and he's like, is this the right place for me to do it at? You look around, they only got like $50 million in cap space. That's that. They only got like $50 million. The Raiders have already reported that they're potentially going to give him $60 million. The Patriots said, we'll give you $30 million. You got to pay him. You also have to pay... Uh, McCourty, Tooney. There's a lot of people up there. I don't know how the Patriots have enough money to give him the weapons that he's looking for to win. If they have another year like they had last year, I would assume that this entire free agency uh, troll base thing that he's doing is all for naught and that's probably what he, everything's looming on is whether or not he thinks that team can win a championship well and why, and why wouldn't you go and have conversations with oh, coaches I, or gms and let your agent listen i mean yeah. go out and find out find out what people's plan is and figure out if there's any possibility that it's better than the one that you 
you have in New England. Again, it's the first time he's ever been through it. So he wants to go in, listen, understand what his options are. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't go up to the line of scrimmage and go, oh, I'm definitely throwing it to that guy before he reads the defense. He wants to see what's out there and, and figure it out. That's the way his brain works. And so he's going to take the same approach to free agency. It's so funny, like 20 years of being under one place, you have all these thoughts of what you would do if you had any freedom. And he's just doing them all here. No. Like, oh, I definitely go talk to an owner at a UFC. <laughs> all right, we'll do that. I'll, I'll leave little droppings of tweets and pictures in different places. Yeah. We'll spread a rumor with an Uber driver in Nashville that my family's looking <laughs> at schools there. I mean, it's just like, it's a never ending cycle. I can't wait to see how it ends. And I know when it does, we'll look for NFL.com and NFL network reporter, Tom Pelissar to break it. We appreciate the hell out of you, Tom. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, Pat. See you later, man. Uh, great conversation there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love to hear it. <laughs> Love to hear it. We got to get a break. You, I don't. If he leaves, this is going to be a very, very, very aggressive move from the mass holes whenever this entire thing happens. There will be some fools burning jerseys, too. There already are. Guarantee yeah. that. Well, yeah, you already I, are. I mean, you're that was guy. from New York. That was not a Pats fan. Oh, uh, you looked into this? Was, yeah, that was a fake fan. Yeah, yeah, that was all for well, show. Fake, every fake fan is the ones that burn the, the, the damn jerseys. <laughs> I think at this point they'd have reason to do it. This would be yes. the least amicable split of all, all time. time. He's toying Wh with them. Is this worse than the LeBron James decision? Without yes. question. The commercial? You forgot about the commercial, too. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm going not, anywhere. I'm not going anywhere is what he said. He can't do this. He can't. <laughs> well, well, well. Here we are again to chit-chat about something that is very near and dear to my heart, very near and dear to Ty Schmidt's heart, very near and dear to Diggs's heart. This is something that a lot of people are going to love to hear. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could ever imagine? You don't say. Yeah. It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named because we don't want to do that. Right, right. This is just giving you information of how people have experienced tuxedo tailoring at other places other than the black tux. Go elsewhere. This place is terrible. Unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. That's a competitor of the black tux, somebody that shopped there. Yikes. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so miserable. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we absolutely left. Miserable people at other stores, not at the Black Tux. You would be better off shopping for suits at Goodwill, said somebody, about a competitor of the Black Tux, not at the Black Tux. The Black Tux is your place to go to for finding formal wear. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. That's a big deal. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship you your order Two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code PAT. That's theblacktux.com, code PAT for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. I'll tell you what. Changing the formal wear business 
is the right move. Because mm-hmm. it's a pain in the ass. It's outdated. And normally you end up looking like SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> the Black Tux will ensure that that doesn't happen. TheBlackTux.com, promo code PAT for 10% off your purchase. Uh, let's go to Phil in Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee, what's going on, Phil? Yeah, what's going on, man? Hi, uh, keeping it on the topic of the NFL. Everybody thinks I'm an idiot for this, but mm-hmm. just hear me out. Oh, can't wait. Old Phil down here with a freezing cold take. The uh, the Titans should not pay Derrick Henry. They should let him walk and let the flash in the pan Tannehill walk as well. It'll hurt the team, and Derrick Henry's just going to go downhill like all the other running backs. He said that they should not pay Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is a flash in the pan, and Derrick Henry, you just don't pay running back. Phil, Phil, you guys at the Tennessee Titans, for how long have been this close to being good? This close to being good for so long. Every time we would come play, I mean, we won like 11 out of 12 against you guys, but every single time that we would come play the Titans, we are like, this is a very good team. It was always a very close game. Not always, but there was a lot of close games. It always felt like the Titans were this close to making it. You bench Marcus Mariota, who's been there. You bring in Tannehill. You guys end up in the AFC Championship game. Now you're like, that, that, don't need him. Let's go back to our same old crap that we were for a long time. 28 free agents. Oh, he had... He had 400 carries this year. He's going he's gonna to fall apart. Well, I can understand that, but you don't think he has at least another two years in him, another year in him? He just, I think he just leg, or dead, deadlifted like 7,000 pounds yesterday or something like that. It seemed as if he potentially deadlifted 7,000 pounds just yesterday. You think get rid of Tannehill, get rid of Derrick Henry? Who are you going to pay? Are you going to give an extension to Mariota? Like, what are you thinking is the way to work this thing for the Tennessee Titans, Phil? I think I think you got to just take your lumps this year and then get Trevor Lawrence next year in the draft <laughs> because I'm telling you, <laughs> you Derrick Henry is not going to last with 400 carries like this. It, it, it's I've seen it too many times. He won't last, and you're making a mistake if you give him a big contract. I think, Phil, I like where your head's at because there is the question on whether or not a running back can sustain durability, especially when he's getting a lot of touches. LaDainian Tomlinson was able to do it. He got the ball a lot down there. Maurice Jones Drew was able to do it for the Jaguars for a while. He eventually fell off. Chris Johnson, whenever he was with the Titans, was getting the ball a lot, a lot, a lot for a long time, and then he kind of fell off. This is something that does happen at the running back position, but Derrick Henry, I feel like he's just hitting his stride right now. Eddie George and he had that conversation what I, I think they're like week five or something like that or Eddie George said hey you need to be a little bit more physical you need to do this Derrick Henry said this and he's become a completely different player in that I think you can ride the heat wave of him for the next two years and if he falls off after next year let him go figure it out but I think you give him a monster contract for the next couple of years whatever Derrick Henry wants I think you give it to him for the next couple of years now granted let's not get insane for a running back for the next two years i think you give him what you want and i assume ryan Tannehill is going to take a team-friendly deal i think you get those two back you already have a good offensive line now you got to deal with the other 26 free agents that you have but i think those two are very key pieces if go ahead i was just gonna say after being on the precipice of going to the super bowl i think the last thing in their minds is like all right let's let's tank next year and get (laughs) like it's like all right we are in a nice little sweet spot here like let's Go for broke. Let's try to make another Super Bowl next year. You think Tennessee Titans fans are scared of success? 
Do you think Tennessee Titans fans think now that the expectation levels are too high? They want to reset them. Let's just tank next year. Let's not. We were an AFC Championship this last year. We came out of nowhere. Vrabel said on busting with the boys, he was willing to cut off his penis to win another Super Bowl. Let's just tank next year so that we can relaunch to potentially get the AFC Championship game. That's not the Tennessee Titans fans I know. That's not the Titans fans that were booing me upon walking on the draft stage. That's not the Titans fans that just got a chance to experience happiness for the first time in a long time. You want them to tank down there in Chattanooga? Chattanooga, Tennessee wants them to tank? What are they doing down there? They're hungry now. They got a little bit of success. Now they want it consistently. Now they want Trevor Lawrence, the next pony. No, but the, the only way you get Trevor Lawrence is if you're literally the worst team in the league next year. So they want to go from AFC Championship game to worst team in the league. That is what a fan from the Tennessee Titans says. Get the, come on. You're also in a division that has the Colts and the Jaguars who don't really know what they're doing whoa, with their, their whoa, quarterback whoa, whoa. situation right now. Like that's so true. That's up in the air. Granted, Deshaun Watson's really good. He's going to be there for a while, but like it, they have a window right now where they can actually like really go for broke. Twenty eight free agents is a lot of free. Agents. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm also not a fan of paying running backs, but if, hey, if you get all this guaranteed money in the first two years, go ahead. Go yeah, for I, I think you just give them. If a two you year have year. an out in year three, go for it. I think you give them like a two year, thirty million dollar deal. Like, hey, listen, here's the deal. Here's two years, $30 million. Make it even, you can even make like 80% of that guarantee. Just be like, hey, we just need you for the next two years and then let's renegotiate again. Like, I think if you keep that short deal ready to go, I think Derrick Henry is just hitting his stride. Because if you remember years before this year when Derrick Henry was in the NFL, they'd have a primetime game and Derrick Henry would pop off for 200 yards and then he would never, you would never hear anything about him again. The Titans wouldn't win and then they would disappear. This year, he was doing what he was doing on some games. It felt like every single game, except for, mm. obviously, the last one, where the Chiefs' defense just absolutely stuffed him. But I think you can still get great years out of Derrick Henry, even though history shows that some of those deals don't end up great. You can't just, you can't just rely on other people's failures to determine whether or not other people will be successful. He said the floor is Zeke's deal, and Zeke got $50 million guaranteed. So that's what he How said. many years, though? Zeke, uh, don't, it doesn't say how many years. I think it was like six. Four, four or five, I think. Yeah. I think it was four or five. And I would assume that if I'm the Titans, I want to work a short one with them. Yeah. yeah. But will Derrick Henry want that? I don't know. $50 million guaranteed is a lot. That's a lot of guaranteed money, man. <laughs> you know what Gruden said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now they're tossing out 60 for Tom Brady if they want. Oh, well. I've been tweeted by other Titans fans that said that guy should never be allowed to speak about the Titans ever again. Phil, I like your, your style. I like your, your Southern draw. I like that you listen to the show and call into the show, but everybody thinks you're dumb. Speaking of dumb, this show is that. We probably missed a lot of things to keep us caught up on all the news that we need to know. Here's Nick with the news. So yesterday we talked about uh, Brown's offensive tackle, Greg Robinson, getting busted at the border with a lot of marijuana. No one knew exactly how much it was. Turns out it was 157 pounds of weed. Yeah, I call that a Tuesday. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That's a, lot of, that's, that's a lot of marijuana. The thing that I'm very bummed about in this whole thing is the person that was with him, Quan Bray, like, re- like actual friend of mine, like... Um, like, I haven't talked to him. Obviously, in the NFL, whenever guys get cut or guys leave, you don't have conversations with them as much as you should. You keep up with each other on social media, but you can be having lunch with somebody who you consider a very good friend and not see him for the next six years because he gets cut after lunch. Like, that's just the way the NFL is. Quan Bray and I got very tight. He was a returner. I was actually the person on the team that would tell him where to line up after watching the other punter. I was like, me and Quan were actually good friends. Quan, 
incredible human being who has been through a lot in his life. I mean, if you were to ever read his story, it is a very sad one. This is last night whenever I read the police report. Once Schefter tweeted out, by the way, Schefter just knows everything and gets everything. But once Schefter tweeted out that 157 pounds were found, I quote tweeted that and sent out, oh, that's all I said was, oh, like that is, this is like a uh, herd. I believe his name was Alan. Alan heard. Yeah. Alan heard. Oh, yeah. This is like real, like, uh, Sam, this is Sam heard. This is like real weight. 157 pounds in duffel bags is straight out of a movie that you would never expect people who have good professions to be doing so. Sam Hurd walked out of a restaurant with a kilo of cocaine from an undercover, right? He was playing in the NFL whenever he did that. It was a mind-blowing thing. It's like, hey, you're in the NFL. You're making all this money. Why would you ever jeopardize it by doing this? Or at least have somebody else do this. This is the same question that's being asked here. And the fact that I have an actual friend involved in this now has turned it from an alarming story to a completely sad story for me. 157 pounds of marijuana in texas by the way is a potential real life oh, ender yeah. for a lot of people i am gonna try my best to reach out to old kwan who's a friend of mine and try to kind of figure out what's going on with this but this is a very sad sad story i have no idea how it happened i have no idea why it would happen especially with states that have legalized marijuana i don't know anything about the guy that was driving mr robinson i do know kwan bray and i was heartbroken late last night in the middle of my Vitamin-induced thoughts. I was very, very sad for Quan Bray. 157 pounds. The, the, you're, you're trying to do some real stuff with that. It, yeah. It, like, real, real stuff with that. And I don't know how, whenever you have $30 million made, which is what Greg Robinson has made, right? He's made $30 million. Yeah. Like, get a drone. Like, wh why would you go classic drive through the border and think that, like, I have so many questions. Why are you moving 157 pounds of marijuana whenever it's legalized in America? Just get somebody to go to Colorado and ship it to you. I mean, if you're going to be a drug dealer, let's at least do it in a smarter fashion. If you're a notable human being, like, I am so bummed for Quan right now because he's a smart guy. Like, he's a smart guy who's obviously in a terrible, I'm bum for greg bum for kwan but i don't understand how any of this adds up i don't know how you think this is a good decision i don't know if maybe somebody was i think there might be layers to this story oh, i would yeah, assume yeah. so that there's somebody potentially forcing them or, or something along those lines but man this is a sad story if you think about it from somebody who has a friend involved in it which i just learned last night that i actually it's do. like a Worthy the millers situation yeah exactly it by the way this is me, okay? This is you. This is the prop. You're going to go behind there and do that. Uh, it's, we're the Millers, but with people that have a lot of money in the bank yeah. account already. I, I just don't know how it comes. But that was an alarming. 157 pounds was trending last night. 157 pounds was trending. Greg Robinson was trending. Uh, a lot of things were trending last night because of this, because of how alarming it is. I want to hear the entire story come out, and I'm very bummed for my friend. It was Gwen. brought to my attention earlier today uh, that the Steelers beat the Browns again. Bam Morris was busted with 220 pounds of marijuana. <laughs> Bam. Jeez. Any other news, please? Yeah, SpaceX has a newly announced partnership with space exploration company Space Adventures. They're going to team up to send up to four private citizens into Earth's orbit by late 2021. Elon Musk is offering up four round trips to space. That's very, very nice of him to do that. Teaming up with who? Space Adventures. Who's that? I had no idea they existed. We don't know. Probably another It's another person from the planet that Elon Musk is from. Mm -hmm. They created their own thing. Elon Musk on his last trip back to his home planet to find new technology that he can bring to planet Earth and make another billion off of. Found an old friend of his. They rekindled. Maybe it was like a high school reunion type thing. And he's like, yo, you should see what I'm doing down here on Earth. They're a bunch of idiots. Anything we do there. He's like, cool. I'll come down. I'll create a space thing. We'll team up. That's what this is, obviously. And I'm going to try to become one of those four people that go to space. 
Uh, I heard the views no terms. Don't do it. No terms on the financial cost yet, but they did a similar deal last year with Bigelow Aerospace to send oh, yeah, customers yeah. to the space station. That one was approximately $52 million a person. Do you remember I got offered a $250,000 trip to space? Yes, should have taken it. I was emailed. Uh, and I guess that's what happens whenever you just get money and it's found out. You just get emails from these random scammers. I was asked if I wanted to pay $250,000 to go to space. So what I don't I understand. I read it. I read it. I read it. What I don't understand is that like on their website right there it was saying take a walk in space. Like do you not need to train at all to do this? Or are they just going to send nah, anyone nah. up and like tether them? Like all right, go have fun out nah, there. We're going to send Zed up there. I think you do like a 10-minute <laughs> pre-flight. Like how, what's going on? Space Zed. Space Zed is going to be our favorite, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they probably put you on that plane with the zero gravity yeah. thing. Well, it's kind of like when they quickly uh, explain to you how the emergency doors work on a plane. But. Well, and also, uh, whenever you skydive, you have to sit through a five-minute video is, that yeah. just tells you you're going to die for 45 times. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to hear this. I already paid, and I'm overweight. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, by the way, I sat on the exit row on my trip home from uh, Chicago. So I flew Very from Honolulu nice. to Chicago. Very noble of you. Chicago. Well, there was no first-class seats on it, uh, <laughs> by the way. So. Well, you wanted to save lives. Out of the entire exit row, they ask everybody, I would have had to open both. <laughs> that, that person on the other side, are you willing and able, lied to that flight. That person might have been willing. They were not able. <laughs> and that should have been discussed a little bit more, I thought. I, I was like, listen, I'm an hour away from home. I've already been on a nine-hour flight. I've been gone for nine days. That sack of potatoes over there <laughs> is not going to be able to open that damn window. There's, there's just no way to do it. I've seen it in the videos. I've watched the things. I feel like it's going to take a little bit of effort. That obese individual over there who is strictly sitting here for the extra leg space is going to be the cause of my death. I don't think so. Ask them again and tell them to tell the truth. <laughs> there should be parameters for sitting in that row. Yeah. That whale should not have been allowed to be there. Mm. Nick, Florida, what's going on? Uh, I want to talk about the fight coming up, the boxing match. Okay, who do you think is going to win? Oh, come on now. Wilder has no chance. Oh, the Why do you think that? Why do you think that Tyson Fury is going to beat Deontay Wilder? Because I don't know much about boxing. I watched that news conference yesterday. I'll give my thoughts after yours, but I'm excited to hear why you think the Gypsy King will be able to knock out the hammer from Alabama, Deontay Wilder. Well, Fury is more of a boxer Wilder is more of trying to knock you out. Mm. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Mm. The knockouts are knockouts good? That's how you win. It's a great argument. I believe no. that's how you win. I believe that's how you it win. Is, it is interesting because Wilder is like one of the most accurate and powerful punchers, and Fury is the best defensive heavyweight of all time. Let much. me tell you why I just bet a handsome amount on Deontay Wilder. Okay? And now... This all happened before I learned of how much money Deontay Wilder also has. But I do know that Tyson Fury made a very large amount of cash for one wrestling match in Saudi Arabia. And there was conversations being had. I don't know Tyson Fury. I have no idea who he is. But people that know people that know Tyson Fury. There was a conversation that Tyson Fury was never going to box again because of how much money he made with the WWE, right? So anybody that's having contemplations on whether or not they want to continue to do something that involves getting punched in the face whenever you've had surgery and you've said that you've been bleeding four or five times during your training camp automatically made me think like, oh, well, the other guy probably 
probably is fighting for a little bit more than this guy that was thinking about just taking massive paydays doing something else. So in my eyes, Deontay Wilder is going to win that boxing strictly because of that. Now, I watched that news conference yesterday. Deontay Wilder couldn't get about four or five seconds without getting a sentence out. Like There was a lot of questions, but I think he's got a lot going on in his mind. He wants to fight him. Tyson Fury looked like he had a cut on his lip. He had sunglasses on. Did he have a black eye? He said he's been bleeding during his camp. He looked a little bit heavier. I think he always does. I know nothing about boxing. I just like to know, think that I know a little bit about human psychology. In my eyes, Deontay Wilder thinks about that draw a lot more than Tyson Fury does. And I think Deontay Wilder gets a little make or comeuppance in this entire thing. But I could be wrong. I know nothing about boxing. But they got my attention yesterday when mm-hmm. Joe Tessitore almost got swallowed in between a six foot seven and a six foot nine guy on that stage yesterday. I just hope everyone has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> But I do know that it's impressive when you've had 42 fights and 41 knockouts. I think that's an impressive number. Yeah, that's that's boxing. Which is huge in boxing because everyone knows that the judges are about as crooked as they get. So if you let it go to the scorecards, like you have no idea who's going to win. Yeah, I agree. And Wilder, you got to think, even though it was a draw, he didn't knock him out. So it was more of a loss for him, more of a win for Fury because he got up after that haymaker. Yeah, well, both of them are yelling at each other about who made who more money yesterday. <laughs> And I learned that Deontay Wilder is worth a lot of money, too. So it kind of immediately after placing my very, very <laughs> large bet on Deontay Wilder yesterday on FanDuel, I learned that Deontay Wilder, also a very wealthy man. And I was like, well, that, that kind of ruins the theory I got going. So I'm, right now I'm just trying to speak it into existence that the hammer from Alabama is going to knock out the Gypsy King. I don't think that's misguided, though, because he still is not worth nearly as much as Tyson Fury is. Tyson Fury has like $100 million net worth yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like 110 And people have no idea how much he made in Saudi Arabia, right, with WWE. People have no clue how much that is. Attention, everyone. Dell's President's Day sale is still on. Save up to $400 on monumental tech deals. Shop savings now with amazing deals on Dell and Alienware computers with Intel Core processors. That's huge savings on everything from Dell computers to Samsung TVs. Plus, get free shipping on everything. Visit dell.com slash President's Day or call 800 by dell That's 800 by dell All right, well, that was it. We can't thank you enough for rocking with us on these last couple of days back from vacation. Next week, full load of shows. Can't wait to get back into it. Can't wait for you to have the greatest weekend of your entire life. From all of us to all of you, you're the absolute greatest. Ty Schmidt, play some independent music.